Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 27 of Fans from the Stands. I'm your co-host, Mickey, along with my co-host, Ivan. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Well, Ivan, I'm going to be honest. This is an episode I've been waiting almost six months to do. Yep. About six months. Number 27. Uh, when we up, when we did number episode number six, it was right before the regular season, and we did our prediction episode. Yep. That, that was fun. So, And tonight, we're going to reveal how we did. <laughs> and uh, spoiler alert, it wasn't good. <laughs> but before we, I guess before we get into uh, the uh, the prediction show, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in baseball uh, the past uh, couple weeks, I guess. So the past week, well, the World Series obviously could be ending tonight. Have you watched the World Series at all? I know it's not Jays related, but I, I have actually. Um, I'm I'm pulling for the. Uh... Pretty much like everybody else in North America, I'm pulling for the Braves. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only people that are cheering for Houston are live in Houston. Yeah. So you're why you're watching the games? Yeah, I've been watching the on and off, like just kind of switching back and forth between whatever I'm watching in the game, and I'm keeping an eye on it. It's funny because I keep watching the game, thinking, man, the Jays could have been playing in this. Yep. And probably been doing just as well. Yep. If not better. And you really notice? I don't know if you can feel agree with me or not. The big difference between what's the, those two teams in there, there now are their bullpens. Yes, exactly. So when it gets to the sixth inning, it's, especially for the for the Braves, it's over. Yep. You know, the, or close they, to over, right? Yeah, they keep saying it's like the uh, the 2015 Royals, where they had that you know that fire throwing bullpen. I think what hurt the uh, Braves this time is Morton breaking his leg. Yes. But, on that note, breaking his leg and still, what, you got two strikeouts? Two strikeouts afterwards, eh? That's crazy. <laughs> On a broken leg. It's take funny because some, some people, eh? They take that, hockey players. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Some some people keep saying, like, oh, the hockey players will play on a broken foot. Well, guess what? <laughs> yeah, he pitched, pitched, pitched on a broken leg. And that was his, uh, that was his plant leg, I think, eh? So. Yeah, his plant leg, yeah. So that's got to hurt. I yeah. mean, I'll. I'm not a major league pitcher, but I can imagine if I broke my leg and had to keep landing on it, throwing 100 miles an hour, it would be sore. So they that hurt them uh, yesterday. I've been watching the games pretty, at least the past two or three games, almost all the way through. Yeah, I've been noticing that, um, you know, Houston hadn't been hitting very well. And then I thought for sure last night it was over. Not last. <clears throat> the night before, yeah. The night before, yeah, the last uh, game five. Game five, yeah. When... Um, Duvall hit the grand slam. I thought, well, here we go. Yep, good start. And good then start. Houston just started coming back and chipping away. So what do you think about, and I, I don't know I don't know what your opinion is. It, it seemed to me after, okay, got a couple things I'll talk about. One is the Braves put out two, like, rookie pitchers to start out that game. Is there nobody else you could have put out there? It's it's hard to say, right? Because they were thinking bullpen day because that would have been Charlie Morton's start, right? And but a guy, got, a guy that's never made a major league start, you're putting him on the mound. I know, right? <laughs> <And> <laughs> Talking about throwing game. him into the into the fire. Like here, it's like it's the, like the Christians being thrown, like the Romans throwing the Christians out into the the the, the wolves, the lions, right? Like, oh my gosh, it was. Uh, and he and he looked like he was nervous, and he was nervous. He they got out of that inning barely. And they got up a they got to a four nothing lead, and I thought, okay, they're rolling. But then as soon as Houston got those two runs back, and I think it was a third inning, yeah, or a second, and then they kind of clawed, they're clawing their way back. 
so my thought, I don't know, I'll hear, I'll hear your thoughts. My thought was it seemed once they tied it, it was like Snitker, is that his name? The manager for the Braves? Yeah. It almost seemed like he was, you know what? If we win, great. If we don't. We don't. Well, we got two more chances. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not really going to push hard this game. Like he, he didn't bring in his like, I, I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is that if, if this was game, if that was game seven, yeah, it would have been managed a whole lot differently. What do you think? I think so. And I think it had to do with the fact that they had just played three games in a row. So it, his bullpen, cause he had used like his, you know, how that we say they, they've got those three relievers that they just, you know, rely on. Yeah. They had just used them for two games in a row and, and throwing him in there for another game might've been too much. So I think he just kind of, I think it was a game where if we win it, great. If we lose, then so be it. We got two more chances and it's kind of a throw in the towel kind of game. But do you do that in the world series? Like, right. Who does and that? You know, and I'll be honest, I'm listening to the MLB network on, uh, on Sirius XM. There's a plug for Sirius XM. Listen to that network most of the day today, and they're talking a lot about how, yeah, he was kind of managing that style. And I was, it's just, it really, like, you weren't supposed to be in the World Series. Yeah. There's, I know that while well, we're now, we're going to play the, you know, we have two games to win instead of three. We win, win one out of the two instead of one out of three. There's no guarantees you're going to win that one of those two games. And you're going back into Houston. Hey, man. Look at the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're they're right. up three one, and they ended up losing the last three games to uh, Montreal. Well, exactly right, and then and you didn't see Toronto put in their backup goaltender. No, to save their <laughs> you know, to save their number one. You know, I I I I I have this really bad feeling. This is going to bite them right in the butt. <laughs> Me too, and that's the thing, right now. Now they're on. Astros turf. Ast- no, that's weird. <laughs> they're Astro on turf. Astro- yeah. <laughs> that's what that, that's where the name came from. But yeah. yeah, they're on. They're in enemy enemy territory. That that stadium is electric. Uh, it's really loud in there, and I don't know if it's because it's the high walls and that partial roof, but yeah. it's really loud in that building, and it's gonna be hard to play against that crowd. And the roof was closed. <laughs> Or the roof's going to be closed. I think they said tonight. Yeah. I guess it's uh, there's no and I, I didn't know this. this is, I thought this was pretty interesting. The Astros have absolutely no control over whether the roof stays open or closed. I, I believe that this the same thing happened to the Jays when they were in the uh, playoffs in 2015, 2016. Yeah. So I think Dickey wanted the, the roof open, right? Yeah. Or one of the pitchers wanted the roof open. Yeah. It was 20 degrees outside and sunny, and the Major League Baseball says the roof stays closed. Yeah, they want a controlled atmosphere, which is. At least it's not in the hands of the the one team, right? Yeah. So uh, I'll get your comments on this too. That was that was really interesting. Dusty Baker uh, hit um, uh, what's his name, the pitcher for the Astros, Zach Greinke. Yeah. Hit him eighth in the lineup. I saw ahead, that ahead ahead of Maldonado, the catcher for the Astros. What do you think about that? It's it's odd, but Greinke is no slouch with the bat. Right. No, he hit, and his hit, his base hit that night was the hardest hit ball at any Astro hit at 104 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's one of two things, right? So, cause a lot of the times the, the, the opposing manager will, you know, arrange their, their bullpen or their pitching situation based on who's pit and when the pitcher is coming up in the lineup. Right. Yeah. But if your pitcher is coming up when you know that there's still a decent hitter behind him, that kind of changes your 
your approach a little bit. Maybe. I don't know. I guess it's yeah, the same uh, thing. It's just it's the ninth and at first or so I was trying to they were talking about it on that on again MLB network. And they were saying that it was some manager brought this forward. Oh, they said Joe Madden, because I guess the guy I wanted I didn't I couldn't catch the name of the co-host, but he was saying he played for Joe Madden. And Joe Madden is the one that did this. And I was like, no, wait, and no, it wasn't. It was actually Tony LaRusso that did it in, in St. Louis. Yeah. And I was I, I can see the reasoning, so you don't have that last out. But then they had Guriel batting seventh, and then Granky batting eighth. Well, now you're not going to pitch to Guriel, who's and Guriel's the, he led the league in average this year. I know. Batting, he was batting seventh, so you got to walk Guriel to get to Granky. Because I mean, even if Granky, sure, he's a great hitting, he's a great hitting pitcher, but he's still, still a pitcher. Take, <laughs> I'll still take my chances with Granky. Yeah. You know. Uh, so, but and I think, and this was, the, and I I think it lit a fire under Maldonado because game five he hit that what three run shot or yeah. I mean, it kind of lit a fire under him a bit because I mean, I'd be pretty. It'd be like putting somebody that can't hit in front of me in slow pitch. Yeah. Not that I'm a, an amazing hitter, but I think I'm okay. But you put a guy that can't hit with beans ahead of me, well, which happened because our lineup is based on who shows up first. <laughs> uh, in any event, I thought that was pretty interesting. It's been a really entertaining World Series so far. I'm, I'm impressed by the Braves. Same thing. Guys that uh, there's no real, especially with. Um, I can't think of his name. Who's their, their star player who's not playing right now? Acuna. Yeah, Ronald Acuna's not playing. Yeah. Can you imagine if he was playing? Yeah. It'd be a, it'd be a little bit more offensive punch, I think, for the Braves, but Freeman looks good. It's uh, They have a really they have a, like, For a team that only won... Uh, 88 games or 89? 80, there was less than 90. 88 games. 88. 88. Yeah, they're 88 and 73. They look great, and Houston looks... I'm surprised Urquidy didn't pitch game five. I only say that because he's on my straddle team and <laughs> give him a chance. But yeah, so far it's been an entertaining World Series and it could end could end tonight. I'm kind of, I'm hoping for the Braves. I mean, me too. Me too. I, th- I think it's going seven games though. I have a feeling it will too. That's a real, that's a really out there projection. I'm going to predict it's going seven games. It's game six. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you hear about uh, Trevor Plouffe? No. Way back in on March 30 30th okay. he made a prediction that the world series braves astros and it's going to go braves are going to win in six no way and it almost happened they said that if somebody would have put a bet on that back in march a hundred dollar yep. bet would have been worth 2.5 million dollars if it would have happened really could you imagine yes i can <laughs> yes ivan i can imagine <laughs> I was watching actually, and it's funny that you mentioned this. I watched a documentary on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called, oh shoot, it's a series of documentaries about sports, like Bad Games. I think oh, it's called. yeah, uh, Bad Sport. Bad Sport. Yeah, have you watched that? I haven't watched it yet. So it's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil it for you or anybody else listening, but it's a really good documentary, especially the first episode. It talks about the Arizona State University uh, point shaving system. Right. It's it. I won't spoil it for you. It's a really good. It's so far, I've watched two of them. Yeah. One is oh, the other one I watched was uh, Jamie Soleil and the other figures. The, this, the uh, uh, P- Peltier and uh, David Peltier and Soleil, and they yeah. got robbed of that gold medal. It was a, yeah. that's a really interesting documentary. If you're into sports, uh, not necessarily baseball, just into sports, it's a really good documentary to watch. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll go into our our prediction part. 
really, really wish I had some cool music to play. <laughs> there it is. That's me pounding on the desk. Okay. Predictions. So we started off, I just listened to the show last night. I re-listened to it, wrote down a couple notes, um, and I went over some stats. So and I haven't told Ivan what our predictions were. Okay. I want to I get the reaction from Ivan. So anyways, National League West. Ivan predicted that the Dodgers, Padres, Giants, Arizona, and Colorado would fall in that order. And I predicted the exact same thing. The order went, the order was the Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Rockies, and Arizona. Really, I mean, who, who could have predicted that the Giants would win 107 games? Yeah, I'll, if you predicted the Giants are going to win that division, I'm going to I'm going to call you a liar straight to your face. <laughs> exactly. Not with the not with the Dodgers and the and especially the Padres who had just loaded up. We thought we thought it was going to be a dog fight between the Padres and the Dodgers. We thought for sure Colorado was a, this horrible team, and they are, but not as bad as Arizona. Arizona is terrible. Fifty-two and one hundred and ten. That's they finished. Yeah, they're they're on the level of Baltimore. <laughs> Baltimore bad. We actually had a really good idea during the prediction podcast that we should you should put the, we should rank divisions like have the Rockies, Diamondbacks, uh, Orioles, and uh, Pittsburgh all in one division. Yeah, <laughs> this would be competitive. <laughs> uh, anyways, so yeah, that was our predictions for for that. Uh, one comment that I made for that division, I said, uh, uh, I'm, I, I predict that Trevor Bauer will fall completely on his face, which I was exactly right. Not for the reasons I was expecting. It's, it was a, ro- a roller coaster ride with your thoughts on Trevor Bauer. Eh? Oh, it started oh, yeah. really I low. And... I'm like, oh, I like him again. I watched him. It looks great. Now he's a pervert. Now I hate him again. <laughs> and I actually, I forced myself, forced myself. I made myself watch his last uh, YouTube video. I can't stand him. <laughs> I'm not going to get on like Trevor Bauer. Uh, he's not saying anything about the accusations that are against him right now, but he is saying that uh, it'll all come out and he's innocent, which I don't care how innocent you are. And maybe his allegations are somewhat untrue. He still did things that he makes me not like him. Yeah. If that's cryptic, you can email me for more specifics. <laughs> so moving on to the NL Central. Ivan predicted St. Louis would win the division with 88 wins, followed by Chicago, Milwaukee, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh. I predicted, again, we're pretty close in this one as well. I said St. Louis would win with 87 wins. Milwaukee would finish second. Chicago third, Cincinnati, and then Pittsburgh. We were we weren't that far off to be right. honest. Cincinnati was a surprise. Exactly right. So the Brewers finished ninety five and sixty seven, followed by the Cardinals ninety and seventy two, the Reds eighty three and seventy nine, the Cubs seventy one and ninety one, and Pittsburgh sixty one and one hundred one. Yeah. So we were pretty close. I think we both thought that. I mean, St. Louis. We had the win in the division with eighty eight wins or eighty seven. Yeah, and won ninety games. Yeah. We we're pretty. We we just didn't expect the Brewers to just do that good. Yeah, and I think we're. It's funny in the in the podcast if you listen to it, we're talking about not really being able to name any of the any of the Brewers except for Yelich and Hader and Colton Wong. That was about all we got. Yeah. Now we got Tellez. 
And then now, now there's another guy we can name. <laughs> Robert, Rock and Rowdy Tellez. So we're going to the NL East. And this is good for us. So the NL East, you predicted the Braves to finish first. The Mets, the Nationals, the Marlins, and then Philadelphia. I predicted the Braves, the Nationals, uh, the Mets, the Phillies, and the Marlins. The Phillies really surprised us here. Yeah, so the the actual standings were the Braves finished 88 and 73 to win the division. Phillies finished 82 and 80. That was the surprise. The Mets, I guess, surprised us too. We thought the Mets would be a lot better than they were. Uh, 77 and 85. The Marlins finished 67 and 95, followed by the Nationals, who just took a giant doo-doo on the entire season. Yeah. At 65 and 97. Well, they called it quits in July and they traded away all their players. Well, yeah, and I want to just add, their record should actually be 66 and 96 because they should have beat Boston on the last game of the season, screwing <laughs> the Jays. So, I mean, I mean, we both predicted the Braves to finish first. Uh, other than that, I mean, who saw the Phillies coming in that high? We didn't. <laughs> uh, you had the Mets finishing second. I had them finishing third, pretty close. I had the Nats finishing second, not even close. The Marlins, uh, we both had them kind of towards the bottom. Yeah. So the, the Mets were a surprise, but <clears throat> they had just picked up Francisco Lindor and and uh, great James, 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 wasn't hurt yet. Yeah, exactly. James McCann was their catcher. So we were like, this is a good looking team, but Lindor fell flat. I'm so glad the Jays didn't pick him up. Right? And just and just to reiterate, <laughs> listening listening to the podcast, I say apparently I say I don't know a lot and uh and I do say this a lot, right? <laughs> right? Uh, which is fine with me, right? <laughs> they, uh, they did look like a great team. And I'm glad the Jays didn't pick up Lindor. And I was actually, I was sad. I actually said in the podcast, I was sad that the Jays didn't pick up Lindor. I was, I was jealous because man, what a, what a, he, he had two thirty with only 20 home runs. Like that was not supposed to happen. Nope. And it seems to happen to the, the Mets a lot. So we'll move on to the American league now. The American League West. Here are the predictions. <laughs> Ivan predicts. Ah, we'll start with me this time. Mickey predicts the Angels finishing first, the Astros finishing second, the A's finishing third, Seattle finishing fourth, and Texas finishing fifth. And then I, but just to give myself a little bit of credit and a little bit of pat on the back, I did say that Seattle could finish second or third. I wouldn't be surprised. And then to give Ivan some credit, he said, there could be possibly six games between the first and third place in this division. And now I've been predict- I've been predicted the angels to finish first, the Strohs to finish second, A's to finish third, Rangers to finish fourth and Seattle finish fifth. Wow. I was way off on Seattle. Wow. Again, that's a surprise. And they weren't <laughs> supposed to finish that high, right? No. In reality, the Astros finished first 95 and 67. The Mariners finished second at 90 and 72. The A's finished third at 86 and 76. Angels finished fourth with 77 and 85. They lost Trout at the beginning of the year and never really recovered. And the Rangers finished last at 60-102. So, so do you want to hear a mind blow? Sure, I'd love to do hear you, a mind blow. Do you want to know what the expected win record or the expected record was for the Seattle Mariners? Sure. 76 and 86. So that would have put them in fourth place. Yep. Wow. And they won 90 games. And they were expected to win 76. 
but I, I guess that's why you play the games, right? Exactly. Like the Jays should have won the ran away with their division or at least finished second to the Rays. I think second. Right? Yeah, they would have been two two games back of the Braves or the Rays. Uh, so moving to the AL Central. Okay. I haven't picked the Twins to finish first. Wow. Way off. <laughs> we had we had high hopes for the Twins. Yeah, we did. Uh, you had the, you picked the Sox to finish second. The Indians, or sorry, the Guardians to yes. finish third. Detroit to finish fourth. Kansas City to finish last. I picked the White Sox to finish first. The Twins to finish second. Oh. Cleveland to finish third. I said maybe fourth. Kansas City to finish fourth, and Detroit to finish fifth. In reality, Sox finished first with 93 and 69. The uh, soon-to-be Guardians finished 80 and 82. A losing record finished second in the division. Tigers finished third, 77 and 85. Royals finished fourth, 74 and 88. And the Twins finished dead last at 73 and 89. That was our, our surprise. Yep. The Twins, we expected the Twins to do better. <clears throat> and it's not that they have a bad team. They have a really good team. So what happened to the Twins? Just a lot of underperforming players, I guess. Yeah. Right? I mean, so you had Buxton who played well, but he was injured. So he only played like, you know, like like 80 games or, or yeah. 60 games or whatever. Um, Josh Donaldson was Josh Donaldson, considering he's like, what, 34 years old now. So he's getting up there in age. You got Miguel Sano. You've got um, uh, Rosario is there for a little while. You got traded. Um, Bar- Barrios. Barrios is the pitcher. Quintamato is the pitcher. Uh, Bruce uh, Grandersol Brewster or Brewster Grandersol or whatever. Jake Cave. Jake Cave. <laughs> yeah, Jake Cave. <laughs> the man with the uh, the stripe in his beard. Yeah. He. Yeah. The. We had high hopes for the. Yeah. You, you need a. Uh, they they had they had Alex Colon, yeah, and they had a closer for a while. He got tossed in the closer position pretty early on. Yeah, I don't I don't know what happened to them, but anyways, we had high hopes for them. Yep. We'll move on to the American League East, our favorite division in baseball. We'll start with me. I picked the Yankees to finish first, the Jays to finish second, the Rays to finish third. Although I did say. I wouldn't be surprised if they finished first. The Red Sox to finish fourth. And I said, there's not a chance they're going to make the playoffs. They're not a playoff team. They're rebuilding. <laughs> I'll eat crow on that one. And then fifth, the Orioles. I haven't picked the Yankees to finish first. The Rays to finish second. Jays to finish third. But you did say that the Jays would have 88 wins. 91. Oh, it was close. Pretty close. Yeah. Red Sox and then Orioles, and we both said the Orioles would lose a hundred games, and they made it happen. <laughs> and then some. <laughs> you said there would be a, probably like a one game difference uh, in the division between the top place teams, which you were right. I mean, it was down to the wire at the last day of the season. Yeah. You said there would probably be the two wild cards or come, would come from that division. Nailed it. Nailed it. So you you predicted pretty well on this one. Overall, the sorry, I didn't tell you the overall standings were the Rays finishing first, obviously, with 162. The Red Sox finishing second at 92 and 70, followed by the Yankees, 92 and 70. The Jays, 91 and 71. And those poor, lonely Orioles, 52 and 110. That's brutal. 
How do you go watch that team? Well, you saw the stadium was empty for right, the majority like, of the season. And we talked about this in the podcast. That it seems that this is this is our issue with Major League Baseball is the way they draft, right? Because if you finish last, you get the highest draft pick. Well, yep. this, and that's the old what we're watching right now from the Houston Astros is what they what they did for they tanked ten years ago yep. to have what they have now. Exactly, exactly the same, losing hundred games a couple of years in a row, and then getting all these draft picks, getting promote, you know, developing their players and becoming a super team. And you can see the Orioles are getting there because look at their center fielder, Cedric Mullins. Mullins, yeah. That, that guy is a perennial all-star. You've yep. got John Means, Ryan Mountcastle. You've got a bunch of like utility infielders like Ruiz. And it's just a lot of really good young players. A catcher, their, their top-ranked catcher there, Rochman, uh, I think. Yeah, Rochman. He's, he's Rochman. due up next year. So, yeah. They're, I mean, can you imagine? Like, this division is going to be just ridiculous yeah. um with the artillery every every team's gonna have so yeah we were saying this in the podcast that it's it's really not fair for these you know for fans because the jays never did that and we mentioned this in that podcast the jays yeah. never did this whole we're gonna lose 100 games and that'll be it we've actually um rebuilt on the fly yep right and uh, you made a point of you know when uh the jays would compete and then at the all-star break we're kind of falling out of it Okay, we'll trade our older pieces like Donaldson. You're gone, and um, Encarnacion. You're gone. Like just kind of like eliminating those older guys, getting some new guys in, and then uh, you know with uh, with Shapiro and uh, Atkins, Atkins getting some good draft picks and you know developing those draft picks. The Jays haven't had to go that route, which is great because I can't imagine being a an a, a Oriole fan or a Diamondbacks fan if there are any Diamondbacks fans. Yes. And, or a Pirates fan. Well, just, just to show how empty the, the Baltimore Orioles stadium was, remember that game where Robbie Ray got into it with the, uh, yes. with the manager? manager? You could yep. hear every word that was being said. <laughs> and normally was, you can't. Exactly. It was like it, you're listening to it like we're talking right now to each other. Yeah. And, yeah, in a, in a full stadium, you're not supposed to be able, be able to hear the pitcher jawing at the opposing manager and yeah. him jawing back. Like, that should be, like, muffled by crowd noise. Yeah. Or someone saying, beer, beer, beer. <laughs> you know, like something, just nothing. I, I, I don't know. It, it's depressing. And it's a beautiful stadium. It is I, a gorgeous stadium. I've, I've been there. It's a gorgeous stadium. Uh, but I wouldn't pay money to go watch a team that's going to lose 110 games. So just, what's the point? Anyways. We'll move on now to our Cy Young. Before we get into our actual J number predictions, which are even more fun, uh, our, we predicted our Cy Young Award winners. I've been predicted uh, Bieber, not the singer, the ball player, <laughs> and I predicted Garrett Cole. Well, you're Both pretty close. Well, yeah, I think Cole's going to finish second. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I, I'd be very surprised if, if Robbie Ray doesn't get this award where – he gets robbed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then uh, for the National League, I picked Flaherty from the Cardinals, and you picked Jacob DeGrom. And to your credit, he was on his way there. DeGrom would have won it, hands down. Even had he been hurt for a month and came back. Just dominant. Yeah, dominant. It, it was crazy. Well, MVP voting. So I'll start with me this time. My third place would have been Ramirez. I, I picked Guerrero have a breakout year. Second. He's going to get second. He's going to get second, but I didn't pick who was going to win it. (laughs) We both said, and not even hesitation in our voices, 
Mike Trout. No <laughs> doubt Mike Trout's going to win his award. And uh, you also picked uh, Ramirez uh, and Bo Bichette. And I wouldn't doubt Bo Bichette gets some. He, uh, he might get some he, votes. He'll get some votes. Maybe not first place, but he'll get some second or third place votes for sure. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, we, we had no doubt in our mind that Trout was going to win this award. We should have known he's going to get hurt. But the National League. Now, this one's a little odd. <laughs> I didn't actually, <laughs> listening to the podcast, I didn't actually make a prediction on NL MVP. I don't know what I was doing, but I didn't make a prediction. Who would you have picked? What's that? Who would you? What have, have picked? I picked? I can't. I mean, now I'll be now. No, <laughs> now it's tainted. No, Soto. Not a big one, Soto. Or I just uh, Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer. Uh, I don't know who. What, who? I'd probably pick someone. Bryce Harper. Probably yeah, something like someone common. Which yeah, I'll say Bryce Harper now. He might finish second because he might. He might. He might even get the MVP. He's, he but, played really well. To your credit, Ivan, you picked Juan Soto. Yes, sir. And he's gonna win. He's probably gonna win the award. So that's that's pretty. That's pretty impressive. He's he's a special player, though. You, well, but there's a lot of special players. Like, I know. So what made you pick Juan Soto? Do you remember? Well, one, he's on my Strato team, <laughs> 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 and um, and I'm I'm getting a lot of trade offers for him. There's no way I'm moving him. No. Um, he's just I, I he's. He's got he's got it all when it comes to offense, right? He's he hits for average, he takes a ton of walks, he hits for power, and he's got decent speed, so he's getting extra base hits. That's what you're looking for. And he's he's amazing. He his bat, and we I think we talked about this in one of the podcasts after the All-Star break, right after the All-Star game in the home run derby. He's got a heavy bat. Yeah. I I don't know how to just that's the best way I can describe it. It just seems like it's always like solid like just heavy everything he hits is hard hard right and uh yeah that was a great pick because there's a lot of guys you could you, you could pick you could like bryce harper i said i think i said i might have said i talked about mookie bats yeah i mean there's a lot of guys you could pick but so it was a good pick uh rookie of the year i uh predicted that uh andrew vaughn the Sox, the white Sox, was going to win it uh not even close and jared kelnick not not close. My third pick was Rosarena, but I need this is what I said. So you picked a Rosarena as the winner, yep. which um is what's gonna happen most more, most likely. I said, Well, he's the second time we're through with the league. They're <laughs> gonna get to know him a little bit and exploit holes. Yeah. Obviously I don't know what I'm talking about. The National League rookies of the year. You picked Sixto Sanchez. And I picked Hayes from the Pirates. I don't know who's going to win the Rookie of the Year from the National League. It's not going to be those two. It's probably going to be Jonathan India That's right. or something like that. Just something. But he's an old guy, too, which is weird, right? It's like he's been around for a while, and all of a sudden, boom, there he is. You also picked Ian Anderson. So that was a good pick. Yeah. It's the uh, Braves pitcher. Braves pitcher. And he could get it. So let's go on now to our Jays predictions. Now this is the one where we predicted each uh, each player, each what was supposed to be the starting lineup, and we had I think it was from from Fangraphs had their predictions. So I'll start off with what Fangraphs predicted, then I'll say what their actual average was, 
And then I'll talk about what we said it was going to be. <laughs> so we'll start off with George Springer. Now, George Springer, we knew he was hurt. Even on that show, we knew he had this, this um, oblique injury, right? So we knew yeah. there was going to be some chance he wasn't going to play. And So Fangraphs had him at batting 273 with 32 home runs and 89 RBIs. In reality, he batted 264 with 22 home runs and 50 RBIs. Now, he, he only played missed, 78 games. That's it. Yeah, he missed half the season, right? Yeah. So you predicted 273 with 32 home runs, exactly the same as Fangraphs. I predicted 280, way off. 30 home runs, way off. So we're not starting out well. But again, he missed half the season. He missed a lot. I mean, if you, if you, kind of prorate that to a full season man he's he's rocking it he's got like 40 home runs exactly so going on now to the next batter was Bobachette. so Fangrass predicted Bobachette to bat 284 with 23 home runs and 85 rbis in reality Bobachette batted 298 29 home runs 102 rbis nice so what did ivan predict do you remember no Want to take a guess? 295? <laughs> he nailed it. Oh, really? Yeah. 295. He said 23 home runs, plus or minus two. And he hit a lot of doubles. I don't know how many doubles he hit. 30. 30 doubles. Leads the team. I predicted him to bat. No, Semyon leads the team. I predicted, I predicted Bo to bat either 299 or 301. Well, you're really close. That was pretty, pretty, almost bang on. Yeah. With 25 home runs. And he uh, pretty close there too. He had 29. So we were pretty close on that one. Yeah. No, good for us. We'll take that win. Now this is, (laughs) this this is a good one. Marcus Simeon. (laughs) Uh, If you get a chance to listen to episode six, you should, everybody that's listening to this (laughs) podcast should do it. Uh, Especially if you're just, if you're going to listen to it, just fast forward towards the end of the, towards about the uh, 30 minute mark, uh, 30 minutes left of the podcast mark, and then listen to what's going on. This is our Marcus Simeon predictions. Fangraphs had Marcus Simeon batting 260 with 24 home runs and 77 RBIs. In reality, he hit 265, 45 home runs, 102, 102 RBIs. And we both said, whoa, 24 home runs, that's high. There's no way he's going to hit 24 home runs. I mean, if he gets lucky, we're both kind of shooting back and forth. There's that's 24 home runs. No, no, there's no way. Well, he hit 45. Boy, so I mean, uh, predicted him to bat 270. Okay, well, that's pretty. That's pretty close. You know, but between 18 and 19 home runs. I said he'd bat 272 to 275. Nope, <laughs> 18 to 19 or 20 home runs. Not even close. Let's just say Marcus Simeon exceeded everybody's expectations. <laughs> Including ours. Now, Teoscar Hernandez. Okay. Fangraphs had Teoscar batting 240 with 33 home runs and 88 RBIs. Well, they're pretty bang on for the home runs. Yeah, but the average, in reality, he batted 296, 32 home runs, 116 RBIs. Yeah. You predicted Teoscar to bat... 270 to 275, which was a lot higher than they predicted. I gave him more credit. Yeah. Yeah. 32 to 33 home runs. Ooh, nice. (laughs) Uh, I predicted about 245 
30 home runs. And I said he'd regress a bit. He's never going to bat that high. (laughs) (laughs) He's never going to bat that high. And he batted 296. We'll know for next year. Here's a really interesting one. Vladimir Guerrero. So Fangrass had Vlad batting 290 with 26 home runs and 94 RBIs. In reality, this year, Vladi batted 311, 48 home runs, 111 RBIs. You predicted Vladi at 285, 32 home runs, 32 to 33 home runs. Hmm. I predicted Vladi to bat 310. Nice. Yeah. 35 home runs and over 100 RBIs. And I said I was reaching for the stars in this one. (laughs) Who knew? Looks like Vladdy reached higher. (laughs) Yeah. 48 home runs. Just look at these stats now. It's how did we not make the playoffs? I know. Exactly. Right. I'm looking at the, 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 I'm looking on on batter, uh, baseball reference, and they have like the nine players that like played the most position or most games at a specific position. And I'm just looking at it, 48, 45, 29, 21, 22, 32, 22 home runs. Like, that's crazy. How did we not make the playoffs? Oh, wow. So we'll keep going here. Uh, Biggio, yeah. this one doesn't really count because he was hurt most of the year. Uh, they predicted, Fangrass predicted 237, 21 home runs, 72 RBIs. In reality, about a 224, seven home runs, 29 RBIs. We both predicted he'd hit 250. He was hurt, yeah. Runs, we said 20, around 20 home runs each. He could have gotten there if he had played more games. I think so. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Okay. Fangrass predicted 272 with 27 home runs, 86 RBIs. Reality, 276, 21 home runs, 84 RBIs. Yeah. You predicted he bat 272. Okay. 20 to 23 home runs. Nice. Nailed it. Nailed it. I predicted... 270 with 21 home runs. Close. Yeah, we're, we're pretty close on that one. Not bad at all, eh? Yeah. It's almost like we know what we're talking about. Well, you know, we've only been watching these guys for like <laughs> the last four years now. Since they came up. Yeah. Rowdy Tellez, uh, 260, 21 home runs, 62 RBIs. In reality, between both leagues, he batted 242, 11 home runs, 36 RBIs, which he didn't get a, he didn't play a lot in Toronto, and then he got traded and play, wasn't playing a lot in Milwaukee, but. Uh, you, predict, you predicted 260, 24, 25 home runs. I aimed, a, I aimed a lot higher. 270, 275, 35 home runs. I was only... Yep. He's got power, though, and I think he'll play more in, in Milwaukee. I think he'll turn his career around. I, I hope so. So, for Jansen. Okay. Oh. Danny Jansen. Fangrass <laughs> predicted 234, 13 home runs, 43 RBIs. Danny hit 223, 11 home runs, 28 RBIs. And he mustered, he really picked up his average at the end of the year. He did. Because it was Mendoza line there for yeah. a long time. So that was, so it's, I'm just going to remind, it was, he, he, actually, he actually batted 223, 11 home runs, 28 RBIs. Ivan predicted 225 mm-hmm. with 16 to 19 home runs. Oh. Pretty, pretty, pretty darn close. Yeah. I predicted it's a little less. <laughs> I had, I had early Danny Jansen at a 200 average <laughs> or 191 with, uh, or 190, sorry, 13 home runs to 15 home runs. Yep. And then, cause I was on a big Alejandro Kirk kick, apparently. 
uh, we decided, oh, let's have fun and predict Alejandro Kirk. There was no prediction on Fangraph, but Alejandro batted 242 with eight home runs, 24 RBIs. We both said he hit about 280 with 10 home runs. Close on the home runs, off on the uh, average. Average, and I think I think his, his injury, yeah, his injury. So, what do you think about the the uh, the offensive projections we had? I think they're pretty darn good. Not bad, eh? Yeah, I, I for a couple podcasters. Yeah, but it's, I mean, we did better than Fangraphs, right? <laughs> we actually we did. So we'll go to the the pitchers. Now, this one was really interesting because we had. I mean, this is the we. We thought we didn't have any pitchers. I mean, we all thought they were number four or five starters. We really had no faith in our pitching staff. No and reason. I thought, and I'm going to here, I want to eat crow again. I thought Chatwood was the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> <laughs> we thought, we thought, it, it's funny to listen to these podcasts because we thought the bullpen was going to be our strength. Oh, man, were we wrong? <laughs> well, to be fair, the first month of the season, we were dead right. Yeah. Because we everybody was everybody was healthy. Everybody's healthy and everybody was pitching well. And I'm just gonna. I don't think I wrote it down, but I I do remember. That's right. I'll yeah I'll say it now. You said Romano was going to be the closer of the future, and you're exactly right. And here's what I was really impressed about. Not to like butter you up or anything, but oh, okay. Tim Mays is going to have a breakout year. Yes, and you were. Right on, he he did. I that came out of. We're just talking. That came out of nowhere. Yeah, he struggled at the beginning of the season, which is why he's got a bit of an inflated ERA. But if you look at his WHIP, which is your walks and hits per innings, right? It's below one. Right. So that just tells you that he's he's not letting a lot of people on base. He and he was their setup guy. Yeah. When it was the eighth inning, it was Timeza. So. I was that was really impressive. Um, <laughs> I predicted Kirk would take over the catching duties, <laughs> and then Chatwood is going to be a breakout bullpen guy, quote unquote. Well, he was he, a breakout. He broke out and then he <laughs> broke. <laughs> uh, so let me just go. I'll, I'll go over the stats now of the of our pitchers. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu. Fangraph predicted 12 and 8 with a 373 ERA. In reality, Ryu pitched was 14 and 10 with a 437 ERA. Yep. You predicted, Ivan predicted 12 and 8 with a 320 to 330 ERA. I predicted 15 and 10. Oh, yeah, there you go. With a 350 ERA. So pretty close. Yeah. And and his ERA was inflated by his last like four last, starts. Last week of that last couple weeks of the season just yeah. he was I, I still have a feeling he was either injured or, or just worn just out worn out because he pitched he's pitched a lot for the Jays. Yeah. Now this is here's here comes a name from the past. <laughs> Tanner Rourke. <laughs> remember that guy? I remember that guy. <laughs> he was like they had Fangrass had him as our second starter. <sighs> they had him predicted at seven and eight with a five oh six ERA. And we, we, you actually didn't predict anything for Tanner Rourke. He actually finished 0 and 1 with a 6.43 ERA. Yeah, that was brutal. Yeah, I predicted he'd be 7 and 10 with a high ERA in the fourth. 
And I said, if we get anything out of him closely resembling the seven and eight with a five six ERA, we'd be happy. Yeah, well, he we weren't happy because he was no. way above that. He was terrible. He, he was, was brutal. He was a pitching machine. Doesn't he play? For, isn't he in he, Atlanta's system? I have no idea where he's at now, but he was. Him and him and Chatwood could just join together and and be terrible. <laughs> go, ruin, together. go ruin someone else's team. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Tanner Rook got picked up by by the Braves. Yeah, I think so. I don't think he actually played though. They, so Robbie Ray, Fangrass predicted a ten and nine with a four forty seven ERA. In reality, our Cy Young winner went thirteen and seven with a two eighty four ERA. Yeah. You predicted. And- and I might say 193 yes. innings. That's crazy, eh? Yeah. Almost 200 innings. Almost 200 innings. We don't see that very much. We don't see that anymore, no. <laughs> so, uh, I have something written here that I can't read. But anyways, you didn't you didn't actually predict the winner losses, but you did say he'd have a low 420 ERA. Wow. Well, we, I said he'd have 12 wins with a 390 ERA. And See, the thing is, we, we couldn't expect that, you know, Walker would work his voodoo on the guy. and Or could we? Because <laughs> I said he could, there could be talk of a Cy Young for him. Nice. Go back, go back and check out episode six. I swear wow. to God. Could be talk of a Cy Young. We said, but that, the caveat to that was if Pete Walker works his magic. No. If we get the, I said, if we get, <clears throat> so I kind of split that quote. <laughs> if, he, if, he's, if he's the... Robbie Ray that we, that Arizona had for that one year, there could be talk about Cy Young. Yeah, and we got him right. Like, yep. um, yeah, I wrote something here for you, but I can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> Walker magic, that's what it is. Walker magic. You get Pete Walker working his magic. Stephen Matz, Fangrass predicted seven and eight with a four seventy nine ERA. In reality, he was fourteen and seven, and he. And a 382 ERA. That's fantastic. Amazing. We both predicted he goes seven and eight. And we you predicted a 402 ERA, oh, which is pretty good. I said 420. So you were closest on that one. Yeah. Hey, so let's talk about Steven Matz. Do you give him a qualifying offer? Sure. Why not? Yeah. Well, I mean, a qualifying offer is 18 million and it's only for one year. And with that, you get a, a decent pitcher. Like, I mean, let's say he decide. well, he's already b- rebuilt his value now. So he'll probably look for a longer term contract because he's only 30. So he's probably going to look for a three or four year contract. So I would offer him the qualifying offer because I know he's not going to take it. So that means you get a, a draft pick. And I mean, he gave up more hits than Indians pitch, right? Which was, which to me, to me is concerning. Like he gives up a lot of, a lot of base runners. I don't know what his whip is. Do you have it there? His whip is three or one thirty one point three three four. Right, which isn't horrible. No, but it's not. But it's it's high. Yeah. It's high, a little high, and it's the hits he gives up, right? Yeah. So you, if you have a good defensive team, which the Jays are kind of turned into a way better defensive team than I thought they would be. Yeah. Especially, oh, we should have talked about we'll talk about this, the Gold Glove nominations. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. So would I offer Stephen Matz a qualifying? This is a good question. I think this is one that the Jays have actually, they've actually sent an, a, an email to their, or a, an internal email to their staff getting, asking their opinions on what they should do with Stephen Matz. Right. I'm torn. Like I, 
I, I, I think I, I think I'm the same boat as you. I think, and I, I want to play devil's advocate and say no, I wouldn't, because you're giving a lot of money up for that pitcher. But man, he went 14 and seven. Yeah, 14 and seven gave you 150 gonna, innings. We're gonna find that pitcher. Like you got to replace that guy, right? You just can't. That's exactly it. He so, he gave 150 innings. And That's he looked, a, he, he did struggle at some points, but so did I mean so did Ryu, so did Robbie Ray even at the end yeah. of the year. I like Steven Matt. And if if you at least and you're right, if you give him a qualifying offer and he does turn it down, which he it's a good there's a chance, good chance he will. I want to say I think he will. I think he will, because he's probably gonna look for term, right? A qualifying offer is one year. And if his arm blows up, then that's it. Yeah. Right. So if he, he's gonna look for a multi-year contract, so he's not gonna take the qualifying offer. You he, he might get surprised by in, in him taking it. We've seen that happen before. Right, but I'm thinking he's probably looking for a two or three year contract, looking at maybe like a 12 million average annual. <laughs> Isn't it? Doesn't it blow your mind right now thinking you're going to pay Stephen Matz 12 million and you paid Robbie Ray eight million eight. last year for a Cy Young award? <laughs> <sighs> but Robbie Ray is looking for a big payday. He's only 29. Yeah, he's going to get it. a four to five year deal. Yeah, probably five. Probably five. The rumors are right now that the Yankees are interested. Oh, boy. Ugh, that would suck. It would. Um, I, I, yeah, I would give Matt a qualifying offer. You know what? He takes it great. For, it's kind of a win-win for the Jays, yeah. right? He takes it great. If he doesn't take it, you, have a, you, have, you get draft picks. Um, I, I kind of hope they re-sign him. Same. He's, he's a good fourth, fifth starter. Exactly. Uh, Ross Stripling. Uh, Fangrass predicted a seven and six record with a four thirty nine ERA. In reality, he finished five and seven with a four eighty ERA. And again, that ERA got inflated again towards the end of the year, where he got rocked the last uh, two games. He he went. He it was weird because he was just starting to roll, then he got injured, and then they they sent him you know for a rehab. And when he came back, he wasn't the same. Yeah, and he was like, and basically, he was a swingman after the Barrios trade, right? So. Yeah. Um, we both, <laughs> we both didn't predict, I don't know what we we're talking about, but we, we both didn't predict a record for him. We just <laughs> went on a tangent. Then for some reason, I guess, cause TJ Zwick was our like fifth starter, uh, Fangrass predicted two and three, the five fourteen ERA in reality, it was zero and two of the six sixty ERA ended up getting DFA'd. Yeah. I, you predicted a four seventy ERA. I predicted two and three of the five ERA. This is this one gets interesting. Nate Pearson, again, hard to predict because he got hurt. Yeah. Fangrass predicted six and six with a four forty six ERA. In reality, he was one and one with a four twenty ERA. Four twenty ERA isn't for a isn't bad. Uh, it's his whip. His whip is one point seven three three. That's horrible. Yeah. Uh, we both said an ERA of four to four fifty. I said uh, four point four to four point five. Six and six. So, yeah. Uh, with, with Nate, it's his. It's his walks. He walks. pitched fifteen innings, but he's walked twelve batters. And with, it, this is a new thing, right? Yeah. Like this is this. This wasn't his like mo coming through the minors. He didn't walk guys. Not in the minors, but when he hit the when he hit the majors, that's where everything fell apart for him. What's going on? I don't know. I think Pete Walker's going to work something with him. I hope. Well, so. you have to. Like he's got someone. He looked. And we're, we're talking about this, I think, in uh, earlier podcasts when he got in the towards when he was in the bullpen. Yeah. There's some days he looked lights out. Like lights just, out. 
fantastic. Throwing, throwing fire, and then the next day he's walking and getting hits and allowing runs and just terrible. I don't know what it, I don't know. Maybe it's mental. Yeah. I'm uh, moving on to the closers. So, so there's a bit of a debate. If you listen to the podcast at that time, who's going to be the Jays closer? Because remember they, they talked about there was actually, there wasn't going to be a closer. It'd be a closer by committee. We're going to put the best pitcher in the best situation. We figured Delise would be in there somewhere. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> we had, you said it was either Romano or Delise. Um, the you'll have 12 to 14 saves each. So you, so sorry. Yeah. So you said they'd each have 12 to 14 saves. Um, I said the era of closures are over. <laughs> I don't know if I was smoking something that day. Uh, I actually wrote, I wrote in my, my notes here. What was I on? Um, Romano, <laughs> I predicted Romano would have 20 to 25 saves. Oh, you were pretty darn close there. Yeah, because Dolis ended up finishing. So Romano finished with twenty-three saves. Yeah, um, seven and one, two fourteen ERA. Dolis only had three. Yeah, and I said I was worried about Dolis, and oh. he had tw- I predicted twelve saves. You weren't wrong there. Yeah, right. So, Del- it's, it's unfortunate because he was he's, he's going to be a big part of our bullpen. Yeah, and he really stunk the bed. Uh, we also talked about. Uh, our prospects is where we start about the, the uh, prospects and who would be brought up first. Uh, I said Manoa would be brought up first, but I said it'd be in September. I <laughs> think <laughs> uh, he got brought up in what, May? Yeah, something like that. He, I mean, he pitched 111 innings. And I said Austin Martin, there'd be an injury to a Jays player, and Austin Martin will get called up and stick. Instead, he got traded. Instead, he got traded for Barrios. <laughs> uh, you predicted. Austin Martin would be the next guy up, and then Alex Manoa. And I, 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 I'd be hard-pressed to, to say that um, Austin Martin would get called up now because it just – well, how everything worked out, right? All the position players are kind of raking, so yeah. how do you, why would you bring him up? Um, so, yeah, that was our predictions. Not bad. Not bad. I thought we were pretty – there's some pretty, we weren't, we weren't totally off on a lot of things. No, no. So watch out next year. Next year. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Only a short, uh, what, four or five months away. Well, we got the, the winter meetings coming up soon. So that'll be some interesting talk. Well, once the, once the World Series are done, then the qualifying offers go out and then they get what, like three or four days to accept the qualifying offer. And then after that, they go to free agency. I think it's going to be a, a slow free agency period because the CBA is expiring. Exactly. In they December. Have, they have to get that ratified first before anybody's going to sign. So it might be a very slow free agent period. I hope there's no walkout or lockout or strike or anything like oh, that. I don't, I don't think they can afford it. And it would just, how much would it suck to lose a prime year of some of our best young players? Right. Right. They did it again, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you need and you need the development. They've already, they've already lost half a year of development last, last year. year. Yeah, and you're to be taking away another year. I I honestly don't think baseball would let it go to that again. I don't think they can afford it. Um, this their their popularity couldn't couldn't sustain it. I don't think. Yeah. You think? I don't think so either. It's, it's, yeah, I think they're going to try to do anything they can to just kind of get this thing settled. 
the main sticking point right now is the uh, Major League Baseball wants to institute all kinds of different rules, right? So that's all being negotiated part of the CBA. Like the DH. The DH, the extended uh, playoff format. I... I think it'd be hard pressed for the players to turn down the DH. I mean, I just think that gives more jobs. It extends careers, both extends pitchers careers and, 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 it, and hitters. And it gives more, more jobs, right? And there's like how many, how many teams in the national league? 30? No. Yeah. Uh, there's 16. 16 or, yeah. 16 total. Yeah. 30, 15, 30, 15. Yeah. 15 in each league. So, I mean, that's 15 extra jobs. Or a DH, right? Yep. Um, like roughly, and that's where your aging players want to go. Like, I mean, look at Albert Pujols. Like, that's a perfect example. The guy's old; he still can hit. Because, I mean, if you look at his power numbers for the amount of games that he's played, he's done pretty well, right? And and, uh, and he's he's old; he can't really play first as much. And I mean, if you're if you're a team, let's say like you're St. Louis, or you're you're Atlanta, perfect yeah. example. You need a DH, a guy that, or a right-handed bat who could spell off once in a while at first base. Then you're looking at Albert Pujols. And Buddy crushes lefties. Exactly. Right? So you need that, that, that lefty comes in. And this is to keep that left, lefty pitcher rule in, right? right. I, don't, I don't think it's going to stay in. Yeah. Maybe it does. Um, and they keep that rule in. Well, then that lefty's got to face a minimum three batters or at the end of the inning. So you yeah. have that option of bringing Pujols in to face that lefty. At least for one year. Yeah. Right. And if you're that, if you're that team, you're probably the Dodgers or the Padres, uh, who's got that. You know, they're fighting for that World Series, and they need that extra bat off the, off the bench. Yep. You're going to look at Albert Pujols. I, so yeah, the, the, there's. I think the players would be hard pressed to do to say no to that as well. They'd be hard pressed to say no against expanding the playoffs. Right. It gets more revenue. It gets more revenue, and they get a, a piece of the revenue. Exactly. Right, they get so, compensated for it. So, I, I think that I think the compensation percentage is something that they're going to want to negotiate big time. But so let's uh, Albert Pujols. Sorry to jump back and forth. Albert Pujols is now he's actually playing in the Dominican Winter, Winter League. League. He's getting yeah. ready to play, and good on him because he's got a bit of a punch. Yeah. <laughs> did you notice? He's I did. Got a bit of a, like a beer gut almost. Yeah. Um. He's. Uh, I think he's got to get in a little bit better shape. And not that he's not. In, I mean, he's pretty built but i mean i think he's got i think if he lost a few pounds it might help him out at least mobility wise see and the reason i'm so wanting him to play again next year is because he's really close to a whole bunch of milestones right like close to the 3000 game uh he's getting close to the 700 home runs so these are all things that puts him in elite categories when it comes to all i mean he's an all of famer regardless right but if you get 700 home runs there's only three guys that have done it (laughs) <laughs> that's incredible right like right? Not, that's an elite group yeah i mean 600 used to be the elite the elite group as well but there's yeah. kind of been now since the steroid era there's been more more players in that group and now that home runs are more valued yeah again there's more in that 600 but 700 is you have barry bonds you have babe ruth and you have hank aaron hank aaron yeah that's it so that's an to me that's an elite group yeah so you add albert pujols to that speaking of so I just, I just read uh, a quick article about Fred McGriff. I have, 
I even I even called into a show and I forget which show it was on uh, <laughs> Mad Dog Sports Radio. It was uh, Russo, I think, his name, the name of the host, because he talked about it was a Hall of Fame. This is about two years ago in inducting into the Hall of Fame, and I called in because I'm saying that trying to make a case for Fred McGriff should be in the Hall of Fame, and he was like, "No, no, it's ridiculous." He's seven home runs shy of 500. Yeah, we're letting guys in now in the Hall of Fame with like less than 450. And like 500 was like the mark, right? You had to hit 500 home runs to get in the Hall of Fame or 3,000 hits. It was one or the other. Yeah. That's why I didn't think Chipper Jones should have been <laughs> a unanimous, <laughs> unanimous uh, pick to get in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, I was wrong on that and it cost me 20 bucks. But in any event, I think, I still think to this day, I think Fred McGriff is a Hall, is a Hall of Famer. I think Carlos Delgado yeah. should be a Hall of Famer. Maybe I'm biased. Who do you think the next Blue Jay Hall of Famer will be? Well, it definitely looks like if uh, Vlad keeps going the way he's doing, he's the next one in, I think. I think so. Be that long before we get another one? I think so, because if you look at, like, who's being nominated or who's who's being on the ballot, like, who's on the ballot right now? And who's coming up to the ballot? It's, it's, you know, we've got, like, that dead zone in the Jays' history from, like, the, the late point. 90s to the... I'm going to look up the Hall of Fame ballot right now. 2022 Hall of Fame ballot. So we have Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds. Okay, so let's talk. We have, we have time. <laughs> we have time, yeah. I mean, uh, do we... At this point, have we punished the steroid guys enough? I think so. You think that's it? You think? I, I think so. I mean, we've spanked we, we, we've spanked your bottom enough. You can now come in the Hall of Fame. Because what happens is, we've probably already inducted people that have taken it, but I've never been caught. Right. So, you know, like there's there's locker room talking. There's probably like Barry Browns is probably like, well. Buddy, who was my teammate for 15 years, is in the Hall of Fame, and he—I knew he took steroids, but nobody yeah. ever said anything about him, or nobody wrote about him, and ended up in the what was it, the Balco? Yeah, the Balco scandal, yeah, the scandal, yeah. The clear and the the clear. I don't. <laughs> it's hard, eh? It's a. It's a. It, it's such a moral dilemma. Like you cheated. You cheated. But so did every. It, so it's did everybody a, for that long period. Exactly. It's, it's such an uneven playing field. I felt, I feel bad for the guys that didn't cheat. Yeah. Who are like, who are morally right. Yeah. Right. Like I think guys like me or you, if we were like, had we like had the skills to play major league baseball. Yeah. I both, I think we both know that we wouldn't take, we, we, we wouldn't take steroids. No, we would do it naturally. Right. Then you're watching guys, but it's, it must've been so frustrating to watch guys that, weren't as good as you take steroids and all of a sudden jack 50 home runs or could pitch now 95 miles an hour. And I remember reading an article because a lot of people were talking about Barry Bonds and did he or didn't he and all this stuff. And there is one inside source who, who spent a lot of times, a lot of time near Barry Bonds. Now Barry Bonds was known to be a very egotistical, self-righteous yes. guy. The guy had, his face on the back of his batting gloves. 
<laughs> so so basically he could stand in the outfield look at the back of his hand and say yep i look good um so that's the type of guy he was yeah. and what he what what the 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 source said was that whole home run race between sosa and mark mcguire really ticked him off because yeah. he said they're getting all of this attention and they are one-dimensional players yeah all they do is hit the long ball and strike out a lot He's like, I, for years, have hit for average, have hit for power, I've stolen bases, and I've played solid defense. Yeah. But nobody's talking about me. He's yeah, like, they're taking juice, I can take juice and crush them. And I read, I read, the, same, I read the same article. Yeah, you're exactly right. He got, he was jealous yep. of that race. And because that's like, Sammy Sosa wasn't, Sammy Sosa was more Barry Bonds than he was Mark McGuire prior mm-hmm. to steroids, right? Mark McGuire was always a power hitter. Yeah. Uh, even when he started, before he started taking steroids, he hit 49 home. He hit, he hit the, the rookie home run record. Yeah. I don't know who, someone else broke it, but uh, he hit 49 home runs. Pete Alonso broke it. Pete Alonso broke it, right. So, um, yeah, McGuire hit 49 home runs his first year. He was always a power hitter. Yeah. He actually won a gold glove at first base. I don't, I don't, I don't, give I don't any, know why. <laughs> I don't give any credence to gold gloves, though. Ever since Rafael Palmero won a gold glove for first, but in, in any event. We'll talk about gold gloves in a minute too. In a minute, yeah. So, <laughs> Sammy Sosa was more. He was a good. It was a good defensive right fielder. He was an. He was a, a fast speed kind of guy with a little bit of pop. But then he started taking steroids and changing his skin color. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, I read the same thing, and I mean, chicks dig the long ball, right? You look yeah. at that, that famous commercial from uh, Tom Glavin and uh, Greg Maddox. One of the best commercials ever made. Yeah. Um, chicks take the long ball. So yeah, I don't know. You might as well. Like, uh, I, I think you're right. I think time has passed time heals. Um, they were good ball players, the guys that deserve it. I think, you know, Barry Bonds, yep. if you're going to let Barry Bonds in, you're going to let Sammy Sosa in. Yep. And then the veterans community, you're going to have to let Mark McGuire in. And Roger Clemens, Roger Clemens, like these, they were like, it's, there's a lot of, so here's the thing, right? Roger Clemens obviously wasn't taking steroids to get big or stronger. It was all about recovery. You don't think he was taking to get stronger? I don't think so because okay. he does. He doesn't have the physique. But what happens is, as a pitcher, your recovery time slows as you get older. Right. And what happened? He started like he took steroids in Toronto, and next thing you know, he's got two Cy Youngs <laughs> right there in Toronto, right? Like, look what happened. <laughs> yeah. So in the ballot this year. The only, like, there, there are some former Jays, like Scott Rowland, yeah. uh, Jeff Kent. Jeff yeah, he, Kent's a really interesting, maybe we'll, when the Hall of Fame ballot comes out, we'll talk he, more about the Hall of Fame. He was traded for, who, for David Cohn? David Cohn. Yeah. And Jeff Kent, probably the best offensive second baseman in the 90s. Yeah. Um, if any, he had... He had a 32.4% votes. Yeah. It's his sixth time on nine time on the ballot. Uh, Manny Ramirez is on the ballot. So even, yeah, Manny Ramirez, Manny Ramirez, I have to get a look at. Yeah. Um, so like Jay's just talking about Jay's again. Sorry. I keep jumping back and forth. Mark Burley. Yeah. But see, he's he only, a white sock. Though. Yeah, exactly. Right. See, that's the thing is like, who, who would like, who played the majority of their career in Toronto? Cause I mean, Jeff Kent was a prospect and they traded him before right. he became huge. There's, I can't look at, I can't see one person that's on the ballot this year. I think it was last year. This is last year's ballot. Uh, that, uh, so maybe Delgado. 
I think he'd be the next guy, right? Yeah. If because <sighs> after not, Delgado, there there was a dead period a, in time, right? Where oh. not that we didn't have great players, but they didn't have long careers. Like you know, like Wells was a great player, but he was like a roller coaster. Good season, bad season. Good season, bad season. Yeah. I'm looking at the 2023 ballot. <laughs> now, <laughs> really, really scraping the bar. All right, Dickie's on the ballot. Wow. Um, there's nobody. There's no Jays that like. I, I wonder if Carlos Delgado's off the ballot now. He is. He is. Eh? So it'd be a veteran committee. Have to have, yeah. to, have to vote him in. I was really, I was really sad that um, uh, our pitcher that. Sign the word picture for the Jays. Holiday. Uh, Holiday, yeah. Didn't go in as a Blue Jay. Same. And I get... His his wife didn't want to piss off any franchises. I know, but they filled it off for what, two years? I think it was four or five. But then he retired as a Jay, which showed... He wanted to end his career as a Blue Jay. Yeah. He signed a one-day contract to wear the jersey, jersey one last time and and basically retire as a blue jay and I, I mean i can't i mean he's he's dead i mean yeah. his wife did i think what she thought was right yeah but man he he's a blue jay he's a blue jay when you go to the hall of fame you see roy holiday he'll be a blue jay he's yeah just, he's just not wearing the hat and it, and it's i i like i, I don't want to like be controversial but it's sad that that's the only Hall of Fame banner flying at the Stiedome right now. Because Elmar is, yeah. is down. Is down, yeah. It's, it's sad that not, really, like, they're not going to take down Robbie's plaque. No. But no one talks about it anymore. Nobody talks about it anymore. He's like uh, excommunicado. <laughs> yeah. So, so they removed him from the level of excellence. If they were to replace his name on the level of excellence, I think Jose Bautista should go up there. Absolutely, because he was a face of the franchise for a good what eight years. Yeah, he revitalized baseball in Toronto back in 2010. 100, percent and he deserves a recognition. Yeah, I think he should come back as a hitting coach, like an instructor at least. Yeah, uh, ambassador or, of some kind, or come back as a pitcher in the bullpen because. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, we'll we'll, uh, we'll get off the uh, Hall of Fame talk. Uh, Gold Glove. Uh, nominees came out yeah i don't uh i know there's some there's been some changes to how who gets nominated for gold gloves i think they have to play so many games at a position right like that came out of rafael palmero only playing like 20 games at first base and he was a dh the entire time and he got a gold glove yeah how does that work but we'll talk about that <laughs> because <laughs> there's so much credence i well anyways so the finalist for the catcher catching position uh, for gold gloves is Martin Maldonado of the Astros. Uh, he had a 39.6 caught stealing, which is one of the highest in baseball. Huge. That's huge. Uh, 12.0. I, I, maybe you can help me out with these stats. 12.0 DEF. DEF. Yeah, it says 12.0 DEF and minus two DRS. DRS is scored. defensive run saved. Run scored. Yeah, so he's saved. He saved on average two runs a game. Yeah. Minus two runs a game. So he's, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, Sean Murphy nominated as well. 
19.6 DEF, whatever that means, a 10 defensive runs saved, 21, 24.1% cost stealing. Salvador Perez. Yes. Well, I was like, oh, he's too old. <laughs> Why is that wrong? Minus five defensive runs saved. Yeah, he's he's always miles. been a good defensive catcher. Caught stealing, 43.9%. Wow. So, I mean, just looking at that, who would you give it to? Salvi. Sal Perez, for sure. 100%, right? I think he deserves it. Yeah. Um, he's also, apparently, he's statistically the worst pitch framer in baseball. But, I mean, I'll take the – you can frame bad pitches and actually uh, throw guys out almost 50% of the time. Finalists for the uh, National League, Yadier Molina. Yeah. Uh, he had 40.9 caught stealing. Guy's got a cannon. Oh, yeah, always had. Uh, Real Muto, 26.3 caught stealing. And Jacob Stallings from the Pittsburgh Pirates, only the twenty-one point one percent cost stealing. So if you're going in that, who'd you get that one to? Yachty. Yeah, I think Yachty's got that one. It's his to lose, I think. Yeah. Uh, the actually this is from uh, Bleacher Report, and it's saying, with all due respect to Real Muto and um, Yachty or Molina. And the rest of the NL catching field, Jacob Stallings should be a no-brainer. Hmm. His 21 DRS defensive run saved with the Houston Astros shortstop is tied with Houston Astros shortstop Carlos Correa for the MLB lead among all position players. Wow, that's pretty good. Eh? 31-year-old was a 3.0 WAR player, almost entirely in the strength of his defense. He's six foot five. Hmm. So yeah, they're they're picking Stallings. Bleacher Report's also picking Sean Murphy of the Astros. The Astros of the A's to win okay. the Gold Glove. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the uh, first baseman. Now, Guerrero didn't get nominated. No. We have uh, Yuli Gurriel, uh, Matt Olson, and Jared Walsh. Uh, and who'd you get this one to? Jeez. Uh, I, I mean, Guriel led all basements with DRS of six, right? So, yeah. Or with five. Oh, geez. Yeah. It might be Yuli's. Yeah. I'm saying Matt Olson because I think Matt Olson's won it before. Yeah. They seem to go with guys who have won it before for some reason. Yeah. And all first baseman, they have uh, Freddie Freeman, Paul Goldschmidt, and Max Muncie. Max Muncie, eh? Yeah, and apparently Bleacher Report has given it to Max Muncy. Wow. Uh, his ability to handle all the positions he's played, um, he led all his 6.3 UZR. <laughs> so many, so many freaking stats. <laughs> what's, U, what's UZR? Uh, ultimate zone rating. There you go. 6.3. Uh, led all first baseman with at least 500 innings at that position. Hmm. So, Second baseman, here we go. There's some Jays news, at least. Yes. Finalists for the second baseman gold glove. David Fletcher, Whit Merrifield, and Marcus Simeon. We'll forget that one bad throw in Toronto. No. 
cost us the entire season. I digress. And uh, Bleach Report's giving it to Marcus Simeon. I think I would give it to him, too. He's yeah, I mean. Right up there with all stats. He was solid. He has a new position. Um, he's got a big, he got a bigger range than Merrifield, right? Yeah. Merrifield's the next guy in that position. So, uh, yeah, I give it to, to Marcus. Second base on Gold Glovers, uh, Ozzy Albies, Tommy Edmond from St. Louis, and Colton Wong. Hmm. I think this is Colton Wong's easy. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, third baseman's Matt Chapman, Jose Ramirez, and Joey Wendell. I think Matt Chapman. He's a solid defender there. He's already won back to back gold gloves in yeah. 2018, 2019. Uh, uh won it last year. Yeah. Since so again, it's te- typically goes to the, the player that like has won it in the past, right? So yeah, I think he's got it. Uh, third baseman in the, the uh, National League, Nolan Arenado, Manny Machado, and Ryan McMahon. Hmm. Arenado's, I got it. I guaranteed, yeah. That guy is just, he's won how many? Like seven? Uh, I think he won it like eight. seven he times. Eight. eight in a row, yeah. <laughs> uh, AL shortstops. And I'll, so just talking about shortstops, and I don't, I don't think, obviously, Bichette didn't get nominated this year. I don't, but I think eventually, and this is completely from what I thought at the beginning of the year. I think he'll get nominated he, in the future, like four years from now. I, I really, I, I think he's going to improve that much. I think so too. I mean, look how much he improved in half a year. Exactly. When you when you look at Bichette from the beginning of the season to Bichette at the end of the season, yeah, a completely different player. And I give all credit to Marcus Simeon for working with him. Absolutely. Right. And that's why I would sign Marcus Simeon. Yeah. If he can convince him to play second base again. Yeah. Let's hope so. <laughs> like if he wins a gold glove at second base, gets to play with Bo Bichette on that team again, he's jacked 40 home runs, uh, batted in front of Guerrero. Yeah. Why would you not want to play? Yeah. Continue to play. If they give you the money, like sign me up. Exactly. You're going to fastballs all the time. Cause you're going to, you don't want to face Guerrero. And I get to play second base and, and help and mentor Bichette and play at a position and we'll keep winning gold gloves at second. It's like, I'm almost like, I'm almost mapping out my Hall of Fame career. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, finalists for the shortstop in the American League, Carlos Correa, J.P. Crawford, and uh, Simmons from Minnesota. I think this goes to, I think it goes think? to Correa. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. But what I am shocked is the fact that Fluff, uh, who was the gold glover winner at third last year, how he wasn't even nominated because he was ranked fifth in defensive war across all of baseball. He had, he had 11 defensive runs saved, which is like one of the best in baseball. Yeah. He even, mind you, Carlos Correa had 21 defensive runs saved. Yeah. And that's, that's incredible. Um, and the NL shortstops, we have Brandon Crawford, which I was surprised. Lindor and Kevin, Kevin Newman. Huh. Newman. I, I think Crawford's going to get this one again. Apparently, they're they're uh, predicting it's going to be Kevin Newman. Oh, really? Eh? Yeah. Uh, nine defensive runs saved, which leads those finalists even better than Lindor. Yeah, I, Lindor hasn't 
didn't play well at all this year. Uh, left field. Here we go. <laughs> left field. <laughs> Finalist for the American League left field gold glove. Randy Arozarena, Andrew Benatendi, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Yep. <laughs> who, who saw this coming? Not me, because I text you. I'm like, how does this happen? <laughs> and you want to know who you want to know who uh, Bleacher Report predicts is going to win? Gurriel. Lewis Coriel Jr. Wow, because he's got like the most assists from left field. So let me just read the paragraph from, from Bleacher Report. Yeah. Originally des- originally signed and developed as a middle infielder, Lewis Coriel made a smooth transition a smooth transition to the outfield <laughs> in the big leagues, where his strong arm is a major asset. His 12 outfield assists ranked fourth among all outfielders and tops among left fielders. We look at his stats. So he's between all three of them. He's got he's tied for seven defensive runs saved, but his his UZR, which is the ultimate zone rating. Ultimate zone rating is a minus zero point yeah. minus zero point five. He's got a seven point two arm AR. I guess arm is a stat now as well. Yeah. So he's got 7.2 arm, which is the best out of all of them, by far. By far. So, just, go so Gold Glove is, is, it's so subjective, right? Because they don't use StatCast no. information whatsoever. Because if you were to look at his routes and... He was the worst route runner in left field in baseball. Yeah. <laughs> but his arm made up for it, right? How many guys, and we said this, right? We're like, yep. why do people keep running on him? <laughs> that's why, so there's been talk that the Jays are looking at, he'll be one of the guys that might, that might, or is trade bait, right? Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't for, for this For this reason alone, he's got a, a, an amazing arm. And that's why I don't like him. Why put him at, you can teach him to run better routes. He's only yeah. played, really, to be honest, to be fair to Ludus Gurriel, he's only played left field for three years. Yeah. Right? Um, why, put, why you put him at first base? Get him away from first. Yeah got a cannon for an arm keep him in left field teach him to, teach him to run better routes and he will get better yeah um hopefully and he's got the chemistry with teoscar um vladdy vlad and springer like i would just hate to bring up that chemistry some, there's something to be said about chemistry plus yep. he's controllable for the next two years exactly very low salary and low salary because they signed him to a like a multi-year contract when he was like out of cuba yeah so uh, so the NL left field finalist, Tyler O'Neill. Yes. <laughs> a fan favorite of Ivan Roy. Yes, uh, David Peralta and AJ Pollock. And they have the winner being Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill. He's he's a great athlete. Well, he's got the best uh, defensive run saved, best zone rating, and the best arm of all yep. three finalists. And and he's got the best arms, uh, like the guy's jacked. <laughs> <laughs> uh so the american league center fielders kevin kiermeyer yeah <laughs> miles straw michael a taylor so if you look michael at a taylor yeah he plays for kansas city yeah so if you look at the the ratings themselves taylor's got a better defensive run saved he's got a better zone rating and a better arm hmm. yeah so they give it to taylor they're they're, they're predicting taylor's gonna win that one I could see this because I don't like I don't want Kiermaier to win. No, he's he's too his ego is too inflated. Oh yeah, NL center fielders Harrison Bader from St. Louis. 
That's the first time I've read that name. Harrison Bader. Yeah. Jackie Bradley Jr. And Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds. And they have Harrison Bader winning that one as well. Wow. And if you look at his stats, 15 defensive runs saved, best in center field. Nice. A 15.1 zone rating. His arm isn't as great. He's got a .9 arm, but. AL right fielders, Joey Gallo, Hunter Renfro, Kyle Tucker. Well, I, I don't know, Gallo. Yeah, <laughs> this is a toss-up. Yeah. Like, I was going to say Renfro, but look at his stats aren't that great. Tucker's too new, I think. I think it'll go to Gallo because Gallo's been around. It's it's his, like, prize for striking out so much. <laughs> <laughs> for putting up with New York media. <laughs> Uh, right fielders in NL, Mookie Betts, Adam Duvall, Mike Yastrzemski. Well, I don't know. Like Mookie Betts has always been a fantastic defender. So right. I wouldn't be surprised if he, he got it. But the other guy, like, I mean, Adam Duvall, for his age, he's really improved because he was never really known as a, a defensive outfielder. And if you look at his stats, they're, they're better. Yeah. They're better than Mookie Betts by a lot. Like, yeah. Mookie Betts, four defensive run, uh, defensive run saved. Yeah. Duvall's got nine. 4.7 zone rating for Betts. 11.2 zone rating for Duvall. He's, and Duvall's got a better arm. Like, overall, I think you're right, though. I think it'll go to Betts because Betts is, is Betts. more. He's Mookie Betts. Yeah. But I really think, yeah, I think Adam Duvall deserves it. Yeah. AL pitchers, another J gets nominated. Jose Barrios. Zach Greinke and Dallas Keuchel. Well, I hope Barrios gets it. He's he was he's a great athlete. Yeah, the only issue I think with Barrios is he's got four errors. Yeah. I don't know. I I think he'll get it. He's a good he is a good athlete. I think he might get it. Yeah. Looks like it'll be Dallas Keiko, though. He's got a better better everything. Better stats. Uh National League pitchers, Zach Davis, Max Fried, and Zach Wheeler. See, and I, I really I really don't even know. Nah, I don't, I don't watch enough National League Baseball to say. They're giving it to, they're giving it to Max Freed. Freed? Huh? 37 assists. That's a lot. For that is a lot. Um, a lot of comebackers, I guess. Yeah. So, I don't know. There's some Jays that are nominated. One, we don't really know why. <laughs> well, I know why. His, his arm. Yeah. yeah. But I don't... Uh, I don't, not that I don't agree with it. I don't. I, that's, that's not true. I don't agree with it. <laughs> I don't think he's such a bad route runner right now. And and that's the thing, right? We see him on a database day basis. So what's happening is a lot of the times these people are are basing it on what they've seen in highlights, and they don't see the big picture. They see little snippets. Well, we've seen him for 162 games. Well, pretty darn close to 162 games. I, I watch a lot of baseball. Right. And <laughs> every time a, a ball is hit to him and, you know, like, oh, God, that's close to the line. That's going to be a, a stretch to get. And sometimes it's like, what kind of route did you take? He's like spinning around in circles like a ballerina. But then there's games where he's doing diving catches. And it's like, what the heck is going on? And he's not super fast, right? So he can't really correct. Like, he makes a bad uh, defensive run or um it's a bad start or a bad start or it makes a bad like 
routes to the ball. He can't really over, he can't correct it because he's not, he's not fast, which yeah. is surprisingly, I, like I always thought, I thought, I thought Gurriel was a speedster. He's really not. Yeah. Uh, he's average, I guess. Like, he's not John Holrood. No. But uh, I don't know. I see, I see this yet. I said it. I don't know. <laughs> Stop saying, I don't know. I hope he, I, I hope he gets it. Cause it'd be kind of fun to have a J as a gold glove. Yeah, gold exactly. And Barrios got a chance. Simeon, I think, I think Simeon's our best bet. Yeah. I really, I, I honestly think next year, Guerrero, I'm not Guerrero, Guerrero will be nominated for a gold glove. You think so? Eh? If, if, he, if, if he comes yeah. back in his exactly. training, like uh, either, either at the weight he was at when he left or yeah. below. Yeah. I really hope he keeps training hard. Same so. here. I, I hope he's, he's seen what proper training has done. Yeah. And how, I'm not saying he was out of shape, but you could see that at the end of the season, he was starting to kind of he was wearing down, wearing down. Right. And now he knows he's like, geez, I played 161 games, I think. Yeah. And he's like, I really stung it up for the last two and a half weeks of the season. Like, do you think that's part of Montoyo's that's partly Montoyo's fault? Yeah. Cause he didn't get any breaks. Right. So there you go. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think load maybe we talk about that in other sports especially if you watch basketball i don't know how much basketball you watch but when load um, management exactly when um not kyle lowry um Kawhi leonard Kawhi leonard thank you when Kawhi leonard was playing for the raptors it was all about load management and it's happening now in football it happens now in uh basketball i mean it's eventually gonna happen it's and it's funny it's funny that the jays mismanaged that because yeah. they're all about recovery right they're all about like um, the scientific data behind recovery and when you should pitch, when not to pitch, when to work out, when not to work out. And I, I, I think, I mean, it's hard though, right? It's hard to say, Hey, my MVP or the MVP of the league, aside from Shohei Otani, sit down yeah. for this game. But I just think you need to do it sometimes. I, I think so. And and it's not to say that he's not going to get into the game, maybe as a pinch hitter late in the innings in late no. innings or whatever, but yeah, that's exactly it. Like you, you should aim to have your main guys play about 152 to 155 games a year. So you give them seven games of just like off your feet, yeah. not even DH, just like you're off your feet and just be ready to grab a bat at a moment's notice. If we need you to pinch it. Well, how much does grow away? You think what? 250? He's pretty darn close to it. Yeah. 40. Yeah. So and he's not, he's not super tall. I think he's what five eleven. No, he's six two. Is he really that tall? Yeah. Okay. I'll, here I'll look it up. So well, like as ideal weight, I would guess if he's six foot two, his ideal weight's probably around two, two hundred to two ten. Yeah. Um. I. I would I would hazard to guess that you're carrying around an he's carrying around an extra forty pounds of weight. Yeah. Which is a lot. Which is tiring on your legs right so and we're not just on a, just as a normal person that's gonna be tiring on yourself could you imagine having to play a sport where you're running and he's a fat he's fast he is fast they proved it yes they measured his foot speed and they had him as just above average yeah like at 27 feet per second or something like that could you imagine he loses another 20 pounds yeah loses another and because don't tell me he can't because he he there's there's room there to lose 20 pounds yeah and maybe put in a muscle or yeah. lose 10 pounds of fat, 10 pounds of muscle, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Cause he's a, the, <laughs> he's kind of 240. You know what I'm saying? 
<laughs> he's a doughy 240. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a soft, he's a soft 240. He's, but he's, he's also got muscle. You can tell by his arms. Like he's yes. pretty, he's obviously, and then you see his workouts, he's jacked. Like he's, he's just, thick. Yeah. he's thick. He's just, there's, there's some stuff covering him. Uh, but he loses, see, he loses 10 pounds. Just how much more speed he gets. Yep. That's just another, another element to his game. Right. And, and, and the thing is, he's a smart base runner. Yes. Yes. So he, he even like, he can go first to third or first to home. Like, well, there's that one where he was, uh, who was mic'd up? What are the, the first baseman? Oh. Uh, uh, wasn't it Seattle? I think so. Yes. It was, uh, Tyler France. Tyler France. Yeah. And they were talking and he's like, oh, Gritchick's going to hit a double. I'm going to score. Cause the guy said, oh, you're going to steal second. He's like, no, I can't no, do that. Remember. He's like, Gritchick's going to hit a double and I'm going to score. And it tells the umpire after it happened. He was, he just told me he was going to do that. So he said, Gritchick's going to hit a double and I'm going to score. So yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how we got on this tangent, but uh, I think he loses 10 pounds. He can run faster. He'll be a better athlete. I just hope he yeah. gets, I just hope he's in just as good a shape. Yeah. Same. I hope he doesn't regress. Yeah. Um, anyways, and, I think, and that would help him get that gold glove. Right. And that's just more athletic, right? More athletic. He's proved that he's an athletic first baseman with splits and like oh. he's making even and uh, and I mean, Tellez isn't a great first baseman, but he's not terrible. No, he's and he's even Tellez man. says he's doing stuff that I can't do. Yeah. I can't do the splits. No. And you're right. Tellez is a, I would say an above average first baseman. Yeah. Not a not a gold glover, but he's no. he's he'll save you some runs. Yeah. Going the dirt, he'll pick it, right? Um, but Guerrero is showing that he can play that position really well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm hoping Jay's coming to camp with Simeon. I hope so. So here last question before we end the podcast. So because I'm getting excited about talking about Guerrero. <laughs> do they did the Jays make an offer to Bichette or Guerrero this year? Like a, like a 10 year, something ridiculous, like a 10 year. It's year. possible that they do that, but I think they're going to wait to see what the new CBA says. Cause right now they're under no obligation to negotiate. So they've got another year of cheap labor. So, and, and this is where you can say, you know what, we're going to offer an aging pitcher, a ridiculous contract for one year to come in. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's what I think their intention is, is to fill some of the holes with some of these aging pitchers that are coming off contracts that still want to play that are very effective, like a, a Max Scherzer or a Zach Greinke, right? Yeah. I, if I was the Jays, this is how I would structure the contract. I would say, yeah, you know what? We're going to offer both our cornerstone guys because you know we're going to have to pay to Oscar too eventually if you yeah. pay to Oscar. Or you just say we're satisfied with, Bichette and Guerrero carrying the load. I would give them something ridiculous, like a ten-year contract, something like, something like uh, Tatis or whatever, right? But but backload it, right? Yeah, so you're still gonna like give them whatever they're gonna earn next year. Like say the basically this contract will start in 2024, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you're gonna pay this little bit, but then 24 and four hits. That's when you start making your your big money. But then you lock them up. Yeah. At least I don't know. I don't know if you can even do that, but you're right. It's not nothing's gonna happen anyways till the CBAs uh solved so yeah because i think the cba is going to change the way the uh, arbitration process works because the what a lot of players are saying is their careers are shortening yeah and if they can't negotiate until they're 27 if they start at around 20 yeah um that really 
eats into their ability to earn those big contracts, right? It's six years of service, right? Yeah. Which is, it, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, it's really like, could you imagine you played hockey and you're like, you start hockey at 18, you can't negotiate a contract till 24, your team owns your rights till you're 24. Yeah. And yeah. you're making, you're making league minimum. League minimum. And then of course you get into arbitration where you could earn a ton of money. Like, I mean, Donaldson in arbitration, go what? Like he at the one, at that time, he was the highest paid in arbitration at like 23 yeah. or 24 million. Yeah. But it's only, it's, it's a one year, it's a one year contract or one year pay. And that's what sucks about it. Right. Cause you're like, what if I get hurt next year? Yeah. You're missing out on that big payday. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I think you're right. I think they'll wait to the CBA. And I, I, I it wouldn't surprise me. See the J I, I don't, I don't, I don't endorse it. Yeah. I, just, I don't want, I don't want the Jays to wait to like the last year of their eligibility to be like, right. I don't want, I don't want the, I, cause you're right. I think Guerrero is our next hall of famer. I think Bichette is close behind him. Yeah. I, I think right now they've, they've proven what they can do consistently. Right. Yeah. Bichette has been consistently a good player. Yeah. Vlad, while he's shown what he can be, cause like he, we saw it in the minors. Yeah. And of course he struggled a little bit, but I mean, he had so many expectations and pitchers were pitching him garbage. Oh, yeah. For the first two years. And he was pressing and he wasn't as patient, but we saw his patience come out this year. Yeah. Because they're like, yeah. you're going to have to pitch to me because I'm not swinging at junk. And then, if you, because if you don't pitch to me, I have Simeon ahead of me. You got Bichette behind Teoscar, me. Bichette or Teoscar behind me. Yeah. So you're going to pitch to one of us. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's a great point. Uh, but I think we should wrap it up. Yep. It's. Uh, been about it's an hour be, and a half. It's going to be a long one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you on uh, road trips, hope you're enjoying the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Perry Sound. Um, so, yeah, anyways, for, uh, for myself, I'll say uh, have a good week. Good night. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you next week.